into 30 Minutes of Hell podcast on the Field of 68 Network. My man, Aaron Torres, Fox Sports and the Aaron Torres podcast. Joining us from the left coast. He's an East Coaster. But now, now he values the sunshine. He values long walks on the beach instead of, instead of you, you, slugging around with us in the snow. You accuse me of rollerblading down Venice Boulevard one time, I believe, which is something I've definitely never done once in my life. I can promise you that. Listen, that's what my intel tells me, okay? okay. I'm, just going, right. I'm, just going, I'm just going by what the folks see you do down at uh, – do, do you lift weights up in that my, one – Venice, my intel, my intel tells me that you lied to Buzz Williams' face during the middle of one of the greatest weeks of AM basketball history. That's what my intel tells me. I, I, he was so excited. I could tell he was about telling the story. I, I couldn't ruin it, but then I had to come clean because it was such a good story. <laughs> it was. No, I, you know, he's one of the guys I don't really know well, but what I can <laughs> tell you is I know people that have worked for him. And that dude puts thought into everything. And so I'm not surprised that when you, it was, listen, I'll say this. It was a great question. Some, some stage pad. And, uh, and when, and I could tell too, and I could tell you, you, I don't think you intended to tee him up so well, but I could tell he was fired up about the question. Um, and it was a great question. It was like, dude, it, it blew my mind when he gave the answer and then he gives this incredible answer, and you're like, yeah, coach, I didn't, didn't actually see the movie. I, I think he was so locked in. I don't even know if he noticed, to be honest. He I was kind of already – yeah. I, I don't think he did. And the, the funny thing is, is so the red pill is the truth. Uh, sometimes, you know, you don't want to admit that you got to take the red pill. Sure. And I think as men, sometimes some men don't want to admit they got to take the blue pill. If you know what I'm saying. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Well, listen, <laughs> I see, I see a couple grays. I see a couple grays coming in on the side for you, Pat. If that's you know, if that's what's going on in your personal life, that's your business. So it's a family show. All right, let's get to business, right? Because you've it. got a great Arkansas following. Hogs love you. Um, as a matter of fact, I'm sure uh, you and Mus hadn't connected a couple times. You know, he's a West Coast guy, so you probably have. Let me start with. The Hogs, their draw, I love it. Everybody in the country is looking at that game as one of the first-round upsets. The more people talk about it, you know, just as Murphy's Law goes, the less likely it's going to happen, right? I mean, my mm -hmm. Hogs are locked in. They hear these things, too. The must-bus understands it. Just hope we can get some folks over to Buffalo to cheer him on um, <clears throat> Thursday. This is currently Wednesday, day before St. Patty's Day. How do you view that, that, that Vermont kid? Vermont for a good team, 13-4 matchup. What was your thoughts when you first saw that on the uh, yeah. bracket? Well, like, like so, I, so the, two things can be true, right? I get why everybody likes it as an upset. Um, Vermont's a, like a great program. Like this isn't yeah. a one-off. They got hot in their tournament. Like they have been here year after year after year after year. Uh, uh, you know, 2019 tournament. I, I know that they played Florida state in my home city of Hartford. Uh, so they, they get here every year and like what they do, like, like trans it, it's easy to conceptualize, right? They rebound. They're super efficient. 
all that good stuff. Um, I just look at it as they're not super big. They're not super athletic. And, you know, those are the kind of teams that Arkansas eats alive. I mean, right. when Jaden, you know, and that's why, and I know we're going to get to a potential second round matchup with my alma mater, but what I respect, you know, you mentioned coach Moss and I think everybody knows the story, but I've known him dating back to the Nevada days. That was really kind of when I got to know him a little bit. And what I respect about him is consistently the players change, the, this changes, the, that changes. They play so hard and they make you play their game. And so that that's what always stands out to me about his teams. And that's what stands out to me about this Vermont matchup is I think they're a great team. I think they're a great program to the point that you just made. I think they'll have a little bit of a home court advantage in that arena in Buffalo. But man, when you got, you know, uh, I, I call it the big pig invasion. When you got those, those hogs <laughs> invading the lane one after the other, just going right at you, driving right at you, getting to the foul line, kicking out for threes. I just think it's easy to conceptualize why it could be an upset. Yeah. But I think when the games actually get played, you're going to see like that's a bigger, stronger, faster, more athletic team. And Vermont, with due respect, I don't know that they've seen anybody quite like them all year. Yeah, I, I, I like the fact that like what we've seen outside of the end of the non-conference, beginning of conference. For sure. With the, with the Hogs, you know, where they, they were really inconsistent, right? You've seen them be the tougher team. Yep. Not given anything easy. And I, and, and to your point, um, I think that if, if you're not, right, if that opens the door for the three-point shot, the great equalizer, guys not locked in, guys not being tough in the paint. Um, so let me move on to that next matchup sure. with UConn. Because I think, yes, Vermont, They the one thing that scares me about Vermont, though, they won a lot of games. Like to your point, th those those guys, they're not going to come into this game. I don't think looking at the front of the jersey, being afraid of Arkansas. And though I've said this from the beginning, what concerns me at times is because and nobody's better at managing foul trouble and managing fatigue minutes than Muss. He understands that. However, JD gets in early foul trouble somehow in the first, I don't know how he ends up doing it. Uh, and sometimes Jalen. So without those guys, yeah, that can concern me. The lack of scoring uh, without those key guys. <clears throat> but, you know, like I said, that's just part of managing it. And, you know, must likes that seven, eight man rotation. So that comes with it. But tell me about UConn. UConn yeah. beats Auburn early on in the season. A great win. So for Hog fans who are just trying to catch up on our second-round matchup, UConn, uh, obviously coached by Dan Hurley, uh, beat Auburn neutral court earlier in this season. So they have the – you know, they can play with anybody in the country. But what else uh, do we have to learn about UConn basketball? Well, I hate Other to say Jim it. Calhoun's one of the great Bostonians of all time. He's one of, he's brought, he is, in my opinion, the most underrated college basketball coach in the history of the sport. I mean, you know, three national titles, three national titles is the same as Bobby Knight and Roy Williams. He never, ever gets mentioned in the same breath as Bob Knight and Roy Williams. But anyway, neither here nor there. He's not coaching on set on uh, what, what would it be Saturday? Um, Saturday. So what I would say, sadly, as uh, somebody who pretty much watched every UConn game, 
I think you can argue they kind of peaked in that Auburn game, and that was the best version that they have been all year. Now, what ended up happening was it was a double overtime thriller. Uh, Isaiah Whaley, who's just a great glue guy, he must would love him. He's just does all the little things. He literally faints as he's walking off the court from exhaustion. He Mm. misses the next game. They lose to Michigan State. And then they most of December, they dealt with injuries. And then they COVID pause. And then they came to see good. I think they've ever been as good as they were in that November, early November period. Um, my concern with UConn, even before I saw the draw, they they always start off well, which kind of actually ironically doesn't it, it plays well into a matchup with Arkansas because as you said, sometimes Arkansas starts start slow, JD no take gets in foul trouble, whatever. But for some reason, Pat, and you're the you know, you're the former player, you might know better if you you know if you get a chance to watch some film. You just go through these scoring droughts. Um, you know, even, uh, you know, the example I've been using this week, they played DePaul in the season finale. Uh, you know, their big guy, Adama Sonogo, has 20 points and like nine boards at the half, at the half. And it was a game where I'm sitting there watching and I kind of, you know, it was one of those busy Saturdays. I kind of flipped off that game thinking that, you know, this one's this one's in the bag. Let's let's see what else is going on, what I need to pay attention to. And then I turn it back and it's like a four point game with four minutes to go. And so I don't think it's coaching. I don't think the players don't like each other, but they just have these weird, weird, weird spurts where they go through it. Maybe part of it is they don't really have a go to guy yeah. early in games. They establish uh, Adama Sonogo, the all big East big man down low, uh, two really good guards. That is my concern with an Arkansas game, because, again, I I just said it with the Vermont situation, but, you know, Arkansas just keeps attacking, keeps getting to the foul line. And, you know, you start trading two points here, one point there, two points there, two points there, because they keep getting to the foul line. Um, I think UConn's going to eventually find themselves in a hole uh, that I, I, I frankly worry that they can't get out of the thing that they do well. They rebound really well. They're a great team rebounding team. It's funny, you know, you watch all season, but then you start to really break down the stats for the NCAA tournament and you're kind of blown away, uh, you know, of, you know, Tyrese Martin, who's kind of a six, five, six, six guard averages seven boards a game. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, Isaiah Whaley, I mentioned Adama Sonogo, eight, nine rebounds a game. So they're a great team rebounding team. They play like Arkansas with great effort the entire 40 minutes. I heard somebody say, you know, these are arguably two of the toughest teams in college basketball. It's going to be a, a, a battle. Uh, but I do worry UConn goes through these really long stretches where they can't put the ball in the basket. You can't do that against Arkansas. Yeah, just looking at some of their numbers uh, leading up to it, great, uh, you know, second in offensive rebounding percentage, that toughness is there. I guess my question is who's more likely to rip their shirt off during the game? Well, Hurley, Must, well Hurley's never Hurley. really ripped his shirt off. <laughs> I mean, by the he way, he hasn't. He seems like a, a shirt ripper offer to me. Maybe in the, in the privacy of his locker room. Um, he's ripped some heads off before yeah. verbally and metaphorically. Um, by the way, one of the great accomplishments of the Musk career, getting the shirt off with the sling on was really an all-time move by Coach <laughs> Musk. I had him on my podcast that week, and I asked him. And he and he he was, I think, it, I forget his exact answer, but the adrenaline was rushing so hard that I don't even know how he did it. But, no, I mean, listen. This, first of all, you're right. And, and it's funny, right? You know, we, you and I do this for a living. Um, I hate to make it sound like it's not the coolest job ever because it is, 
But when the bracket comes out, you just kind of look at it. And I started thinking about the matchups and then I had Arkansas fans, UConn fans, uh, Arkansas hey. media members tweeting at me, texting me must versus Hurley. It's going to be insane. Hide the refs, hide the children, hide the whatever. <laughs> and it, it didn't click in my head until other people started saying it. And I was like, Oh yeah, I wouldn't want to be a ref in that one there. You know, the, the the refs better wear earplugs for that one. It, 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 that you know they say some games aren't for the faint of heart. That ain't right. for the faint of heart if you're a ref that's got a little bit of low self esteem. That's all I'll say. I think as fans of both those teams, you you and I are glad that that comes in on the Saturday. So whoever wins is going to have plenty of time to rest up. Oh yeah, for, for that Sweet Sixteen game. Let me ask you. Uh, if you can make sense of something for me, sure. how you are in the West region, but play in Buffalo. What am I Did missing? You, uh, my, my, my geography off here is my geography. Like, is this West <laughs> Buffalo? Like, well, come, on, come on. And why Buffalo? Listen, Vermont is closer than Arkansas. Yukon, closer. I thought we were the four seed. I'm sorry. Did I make So how mistake? about, well, oh, I, I'm sure you saw the story. Colorado State, the NCA was supposed to provide transportation for them. They were supposed to leave Tuesday, Monday at 10 p.m. They had no idea when they were leaving. Oh, by the way, the opening game of the tournament, their Pooh's busing is like an hour and a half away. So, Pat, if you can allow me, give me one minute to do my tangent on the single thing that I hate the most about the bracket every single year. Stop making geography a factor. And hmm. the NCAA always says, well, you know, it's about the student athlete and it's about this and it's about that. And we got to keep them close to home. Here's the bottom line. If you play on Thursday, you leave on Tuesday, whether it's a 30 minute bus ride or a flight across country. OK, Alabama plays on Friday in San Diego. They leave the same day as the teams from California that are taking a bus to San Diego. It does not matter. Um, you know, little Johnny is not going to calculus class at eight in the morning. It, you know, Vermont players aren't going to calculus class at eight in the morning because the game's in Buffalo. And so it drives me insane. All it is is a complete disadvantage. Now, I will say, like, you know, Gonzaga as the number one overall seed, if you want to put them in the West, that's fine. If Arizona had been the number one overall seed, you put them in the West, that's fine. Um, Kansas in the Midwest has earned that right to be close to home. But I hate that we do that. And I know it goes back to a conversation we had on Selection Sunday. And we don't have to relitigate the whole Texas, Tennessee stuff, Texas A&M stuff, whatever. Tennessee got hosed, end of story, bottom line. But at the same time, I just wish we would stop worrying about geography, stop worrying about this, just put make the most balanced yeah. bracket possible. Because you want the best tournament ever? Right. Don't have Tennessee and Villanova, who are two of probably the five or six best teams in the country right now, playing in the sweet 16 when at the earliest that should be an elite eight game, if not a final four game, that's what drives me freaking crazy more than anything about this bracket. And by the way, Arkansas got screwed more than anybody. It's true. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, obviously Razorback fans travel, um, <clears throat> you know, in, in, in one of, of course, the better yeah. fan bases in the country, they're willing to travel. So, you know, you, you hope that doesn't play into the, the committee's decision because you, just because you have a fan base that is willing to spend $600 on short notice to go to Buffalo. So let me ask you just on, the, on those two, um, Tennessee, Texas A&M, do, do you 
Tennessee, you feel like when teed correctly, do you think Texas A&M should have got in? Yeah, I'll try to be quick on both of these, although quick is not my area of expertise <laughs> here. Uh, this might turn into the old school 40 minutes of hell before I'm done talking here. But um, so first of all, yeah, it, and it was funny. I, I was hosting Fox Sports Radio's bracket show and it Duke was the first two seed revealed. And as soon as I saw Duke, I said, Tennessee's getting jobbed because mm -hmm. we knew coming into the week that Auburn and Kentucky could play their way into one seeds. We knew that once the day was done, we kind of knew, okay, Gonzaga, Arizona, all uh, Gonzaga, Arizona, Kansas, Baylor are going to be the one seeds. Kentucky and Auburn were right there. If they had won, maybe they get in. Um, and I, and I thought Villanova had done enough. And as soon as I saw that, I go, Tennessee's getting screwed. And then Tennessee <laughs> gets screwed with the toughest, I think by far the toughest region in the country. Um, and they got screwed. There's no doubt about it. And we, you know, we're 36 out, you know, 72 hours removed, whatever. But the bottom line is there is nothing on Duke's resume that says, I don't want to say there's nothing. They beat Kentucky on a neutral. They beat Gonzaga on a neutral two great wins. They also have some really bad losses. They lost to Virginia at home, not in the NCAA tournament. They lost at Florida State, not in the NCAA tournament. Based on Virginia Tech's seeding, it leads me to believe that if Duke had had beaten Virginia Tech, Virginia Tech was not in the NCAA tournament. So, you know, mm. it was I thought it was really honestly embarrassing from the committee because, you know, and I think Tennessee fans, they rightly said, um, you know, that basically not only did our Sunday win not matter, but oh, by the way, our Saturday apparently didn't matter either. Because Duke lost on Saturday, Tennessee picks up a neutral court win over Kentucky, which is about a, a, the best quad one win that you could get, and it didn't matter. So Tennessee got screwed, and, and I do think Texas A&M got screwed. I, I was on a college station the day the SEC tournament opened last week on Thursday, and they were kind of in the mode of, let's just beat Florida and see what happens. Let's just keep our hopes right. alive. And I said, on, they asked me, they said, do you think the Florida win does enough to push us uh, yeah. in? Before we move on. Let me tell you guys a little bit about our partners over at Bet River Sportsbook. If you haven't signed up for Bet Rivers yet, now is the time because they are offering a $250 match bonus for your first deposit. But what sets them apart is that they require just one playthrough to turn your bonus into cash money. With their rush pay instant approval, withdrawing your winnings is safer, it's more secure, and it's more reliable. Now that basketball season is tipping off, get in on the action at betrivers.com today or by downloading the BetRivers iOS app. You must be 21 years or older. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. And while I got you here, let's talk about the Field of 68 Media Network, where college basketball matters most all year round. This is a digital media and podcast network that we've been building over the course of the last year. We have shows hosted by some of your favorite players covering the program that they love the most. AJ Guyton hosts the House of Hoosier. Eric Devendorf covers Syracuse on the scorer's table. Dan Dickow hosts the Gonzaga Bulldog broadcast. We have Florida's Patrick Young and Duke's Andre Dawkins and North Carolina's Shimon Williams and Michigan's Stu Douglas and Illinois' Deion Thomas. The list goes on and on and on. We have more than 30 shows right now. So hit the links below and check them all out. And while you're at it, make sure that you go check out the Field of 12 Media Network, your home for college football. That's what we and, were talking about going into the SEC tournament was almost you know. like an NCAA tournament playing game. Yeah. Of course, Florida was a little bit more in position, I think. I agree. But still, to your point. 
No, and and so yeah, you were on set breaking it all down, and and I said, you know, on Texas, I said like, you know, it, today's for you know today's fun, you know, build some momentum. You have to beat Auburn to be in the NCAA. Then you beat Auburn and Arkansas. I mean, it's crazy. Well, listen, and some of these resumes, and it's funny, right? You know, I just mentioned Michigan, 17 and 14 in a power conference. To me, is a joke, but I kind of understand it because they played a million power five, power six games. The one, and and again, A&M's already played an NIT game at this point, so nobody's changing anything. But I, I, I remember, you know, so here's the thing, right? I'm not a huge bracketology guy. Uh, I know he took a lot of arrows this week. I actually respect the hell out of what Joe Lenardi does. It's not an easy job. And by the way, all Joe Lenardi's doing is basing his projections on what the committee has done in the past. But mm. I bring it up because the one that I never, I it never made sense to me. They're going to play on Wednesday night. If you look at Notre Dame's resume, yeah, you know, last Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I started kind of peeling back the resumes to get ready for Champ Week. And I kind of sat there and said, what on Notre Dame's resume makes them a tournament team? I don't understand. I know they beat Kentucky at home, but they had two quad one wins, two quad two wins. Texas A&M had two quad one wins in Tampa last week on top of everything that they did. So so I, I didn't really have as much issue with the bubble this year. I did think the one team that got hosed was Texas A&M. And although Michigan was really the talking point coming out, I actually thought Notre Dame really had nothing on their resume that warranted an at-large bid. In a room full of human beings, as we all know, as humans ourselves, we're flawed and we're also biased, consciously or unconsciously. So you cannot tell me <clears throat> that in this room, committee members, and, and, and listen, I would be the same. I'm the first one to tell you, I'm biased, okay? You kept, that's the unfortunate thing is I think that's carried into some of the decisions because if I'm on the committee, and I have two resumes, two teams yeah. look similar. I'm going to say, man, I, you know, that coach, I've, I've, I've spent time around him. I, I think his team, I mean, there's, there's got to be a reason why you choose one over the other. And sometimes it's on a blind resume. So, you know, who you're looking at sometimes that people now quickly. If Can I'm, I ask you a question real quick? Yeah. Do you think, I kind of feel like, whether it's your colleague, Jay Billis, or I, you know, these athletic directors have so much going on. They don't have time to watch all these games. And I know Jay Billis is a Duke alum, but just to use Duke as an example, I think Jay Billis would sit there in that room and say, Whoa, wait a second. Now, Tennessee has zero losses outside quad one. I, I was at that Duke game that they lost to Virginia. Virginia is not, we're not even considering Virginia. They lost to Virginia at home. Something doesn't add up here. Do you think, we, I, I, I wonder if we should diversify the committee. Listen, athletic directors, I, I get why they're on these committees. They're not sitting up watching Wyoming, San Diego State on a, on a Thursday night. You know what I mean? But in, in to, to that point, they should rely on people who watch throughout the season. They, they should rely on that. I guess it, it's, it's flawed. It's, it's a, there's a built-in flaw. However, I would say this. I think the biggest mistake they make. So in 96, my freshman year, Arkansas is coming off two back-to-back -back final fours national championship. My freshman year, we, we were sitting on like 17 wins, but we play South Carolina in the SEC tournament. We win. That puts us in the tournament. We were a bubble team. Everyone was like, I don't know. So I, you know, in a way I think we got in 
snuck in as a 12 seed because of the reputation. Okay. What do we do? We go to the sweet 16. So I think the committee that year looked at us as dangerous. So if I'm on the committee and I'm looking here, I'm thinking to myself, Texas A&M is on fire. They're going to reward you. Yes. They can go to the sweet 16. They can win a first four game. If, and depending on that, maybe five match, whatever the seating is, they can beat a four or five. They just beat, uh, you know. So I'm thinking to myself, I'm the committee. Do I want somebody who's limping in? Or some, and I realize they don't look at the last 10 games or five, all that. It's the whole resume. But I don't know, man. You want the best tournament, right? Well, and that's what I was going to say is, you know, this is just an example. They didn't even make it. But, you know, I actually thought Xavier's numbers, actually, if if the committee was doing what they're supposed to do, which is factor in the entire season, Xavier probably had numbers better than, say, like Rutgers, Notre Dame, Michigan, the teams that we've talked about. Mm. But Xavier was freaking terrible the last month of the season. And so the reason I, I'm with you is I know that by technicality, the last 10, the last 20, whatever, aren't supposed to count. A great quad one win in uh, November 11th isn't supposed to count any different than on March 8th or whatever. But I think there is something to that. And it's like you said, you want the best tournament possible. And you look at Michigan, you look at, uh, you know, I again, I don't think there was any like super egregious, you know, snubs or, or super egregious teams that got in. I would say Notre Dame, Rutgers, Michigan, any of the three, I wouldn't have had a problem with them being out. But then to your point, if Texas A&M just beat Auburn and Arkansas on a neutral, they're going to give anyone they play fits. They're playing great basketball. And I, and by the way, I do think a, a great win on March 8th should count more than November 11th, okay? Like, Xavier, I'll just give you an but example. that's what we promote. We promote for our coaches and our teams. Yeah, I know college basketball, you want to have great November games to get the excitement going. But as a coach, don't you want to peak at the right yeah. time? I mean, that's – I don't know. That's exactly it. Right. So if you look at the numbers and this, this may be a little bit off now, but like Xavier had a great win on like November, like the first week of the season, Ohio state's ranked in the top 10, top 15 nationally. Xavier beats them. Great, great, great win. By the end of the year, Xavier was struggling like heck. Ohio state was struggling like heck. So why do they, why does Xavier get the same credit for beating Ohio state four months ago that say Texas A&M gets for beating Arkansas in the final two to three days of the season. We can get off the topic, but I'm so with you, man. And, and, and I yeah. get that we have changed that metric, but I, 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 I understand why it was done, but I wouldn't be that upset if it was changed back because I do think, as you said, if you're playing well, you're going to make a better participant in the tournament than a team that peaked on December 8th. I mean, all right, last thing. I just, I just can't, even if you're not an SEC guy or if you're just a casual basketball fan and you're filling out your bracket, how much more fun would it be to ride a team like A&M than a team that, like Notre Dame, that doesn't really move the needle? And nothing yeah. against Coach Bray in Notre Dame. I'm just saying as a, even an average person, you're like, dang, you see what A&M did? Let's, I mean, it's just the excitement of it. All right, I'll get you out of here on this. If you feel comfortable giving me a couple of those sleepers that everybody likes to talk about. Sure. And then a final four. And if you want to go deeper, I mean, it all depends on how the ball bounces, brother. Here's the question. You talked about the blue pill earlier. If I, if I show you my final four, am I getting Pat Bradley's final four too, or what? 
Sure, but you know, I don't. I I, I do it to the last possible minute. Last. Okay, possible. then I'll save it. They what people can do is download uh, the Aaron Torres podcast when they're done with the thirty minutes of Hell podcast because I do Ooh. give my final four on that show. So I'll give you a few that I do like picture. First of all, uh, I do like the matchups for Virginia Tech. Um, you know, we know how they play spacing, ball movement, shooting the crap out of the ball. I think they're number two in the country in three point shooting percentage. Uh, per, they're basically AM if AM had one on Sunday, right? right? So, so they get Texas in round one. And I could listen, the, as we always say, the people that know the most do the worst in these brackets, but I think they're really hot. They play Texas in round one. Texas can't score. Texas, right. can't, they can't score. They can't score. They can beat you 62 to 61. You put up 71 points on them, they're in the fetal position. They can't do anything. They're, they're, <laughs> they're, they're, they can't score. So I like that matchup. And then what I would also say, Purdue, I like Purdue. This isn't an anti-Big Ten thing. But what do we see every year? Smaller, quicker teams, ball movement, spacing, these big, plotting Big Ten teams. Mm-hmm. They can't keep up. It happened with Iowa last year. Luca Garza, National Player of the Year. Oregon just abused him in pick and roll play after play after play. It turned into a layup line for Oregon. So that's one. I have Virginia tech in the sweet 16. I do have them losing to Kentucky spoiler alert. Um, and one that's a, a pseudo it, it's not a round one upset, but I actually think so San Diego state's playing Creighton in the Midwest. Uh, I have a buddy who was at the big East tournament. Creighton was unbelievable, but if San Diego state can get by Creighton, I think San Diego State can give Kansas fits in round two. And I've actually, in my bracket, I have picked San Diego State to upset Kansas. Um, San Diego State, kind of what I said earlier about Arkansas, they're going to make you play their game. And -hmm. their game is they are going to defend the crap out of you. They have a bunch of high major transfers and bounce back kids. And, you know, they really recruit really now at a power conference level. And when they walk in the gym, they look like a power conference team. And they're one of the best defensive teams in the country. And they're going to make you play in the 50s whether you want to or not. And Kansas just doesn't have a lot of dudes that can create their own offense. So I do have San Diego State beating Kansas to go to the Sweet 16. Those are two uh, that, that you know, I really like. Um, you know, we could dive deeper if you want, but, but yeah. those, those are two. Um, you know what's going to be interesting is a uh, last thing, because uh, you got your podcast out. I'm going to actually do, do another one here as we um, – as we get closer to Thursday's tip time, where I'll talk uh, more about some of our matchups in the SEC, but LSU, yeah, interim head coach, the sixth seed. I mean, it's crazy. I think the only last time this happened was when LSU, a couple of years ago, <laughs> was going to the tournament without their head coach. It's just True. wild. I don't know. It would be interesting to see if they kind of rally. Or, oh. what, do you, what do you make of them? Because – Pinson was out for so long and then he came back. And then I think the assumption was they're just going to start rolling and they never yeah. really started rolling. So like, to me, I, I get the argument. I, I like the matchups for LSU, but at some point it's like, we expected them to flip a switch about three, four weeks ago and it just never happened. And now they're going to do it without their head coach. I don't know to your point. Yeah. It's they've been fun. And you know, it's some of the teams that we talked about, Good defense, really good defensive teams struggle in the offensive end at times. Yeah, you know, LSU is one of them. You mentioned UConn, 
Tennessee did early on. They seem to have figured it out. Some of these really, really that's that's why you look at Arizona, uh, Bay- Kentucky at times. Well, and with Severe Wheeler and Tata Washington was out. You know, the half court offense a little stagnant because they don't really have. You know, Ty Ty's really their only shot creator and maker. You know, with the off the dribble floater, can shoot the three. I love Kellen Grady. Uh, he does more off the catch though. Catch, shoot, pump fake, one dribble, pull up, get to the rim. So, um, you know, it's it's funny. That's how some some of our teams are like this. They struggle to score. So that's you know, you got to have that combination. You know that. That's why I do like Kentucky though, because you know, and that's been one of my things for years is anyone who's listened to my show or whatever I've said it but the day after Virginia lost to UMBC um, mm. you know I talked to somebody that that had, had been part of final four runs and national championship runs and he said he's like they're never going to win they're never going to win championship playing this way now the following year the offense got much more efficient they scored much better more easier DeAndre Hunter was out in that UMBC loss but I bring it up because in the NCAA tournament like, you know this, I mean, you played, right? But like six different games, six different teams, six different styles to play. You got to be able to win all of them. And right. that's why those are the teams like, and I think Arizona, everybody thinks of them as the Gonzaga fast pace, blah, 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 this and that. They're like number four in the country in field goal percentage defense. Like they, just because they give up a lot of points, it's because they play so fast, but, but to bring it back to Kentucky, that's why I like Kentucky because they can score 88 points to beat you if they have to. Now, I know they're struggling a little bit. Grady's been a little off the last week or two. But, you know, they can score 88 if if they have to. Um, and there's a lot of teams in this country that they can score 88, but they can't keep uh, or one, but they can't get 71 themselves. And so that is one reason why I do like Kentucky, because I think they're versatile enough where they, they can play any style. To your point about Tennessee, I think they can only win one way back in November and December. I think they're a completely different team from, from where, where we were a month, a month and a half ago. So <clears throat> I got Zags, Arizona. Man, I want to take Tennessee over Arizona. I want to. Arizona's so, good. Arizona. I'll tell you, this is my philosophy. The Villanova-Tennessee game is to bring it full circle. It's the matrix. It changes the whole bracket because here's my philosophy. Okay. Villanova and Tennessee. I could see either team winning that game. Okay. I think, I don't think Tennessee can beat Arizona. I don't think Arizona. I don't think Villanova can beat Arizona. And so that's why the Tennessee Villanova game is so important because if villain, if Villanova wins that game, I believe Arizona at the very worst place for a national championship. But mm. if Tennessee wins that game, I see the scenario where Tennessee goes to the final four. Doesn't beat, doesn't they, I, I see the scenario where Tennessee beats Arizona, Arizona doesn't even go to the final four. So to me, I believe the whole bracket swings on that Villanova Tennessee game. And it's to my point, I think they're two of the top five, six teams in the country right now. The committee screwed over Tennessee. And by the way, this is why it matters. People say, oh, it's just what what is the difference between a two and a three seed? Well, the difference is you not only screwed over Tennessee, you screwed over Villanova. You screwed over right, whoever right. Tennessee's going to play in the second round. You know, that's why this stuff matters. I love it, brother. Can you imagine 
two seed Auburn, three seed Tennessee, SEC. I'm going crazy over here. I'm I'm go. Will you three be coming into New Orleans if we get a couple SEC teams in, or what? Yeah, I predicted six SEC teams in the Final Four. I don't know how wow. it's possible. You said but, you're not good at geography. You're not good at math either, but that's another <laughs> conversation for another day. So if all these teams go, if we get four SEC teams, you coming to New Orleans and, and celebrating or what? Oh, I'm in, brother. I'm in. Okay. If that happens, I think I think the SEC network will be planted down there for about an f- entire week straight. <laughs> okay. I'm there. Um, anyway, I appreciate so. you. I appreciate you, brother. We'll get so you got your picks on your on your podcast. I'm gonna do mine on uh, my next one that I do. Um here real soon just to keep everybody posted just wanted to get aaron torres on great guy he is a yukon fan so hog twitter is i'm a be- realist though i'm a yes. realist i i think the it'll be Hogs a great are a terrible terrible matchup for them terrible matchup Ooh, ooh, ooh. maybe we'll have to get you on next week okay reconnect, reconnect after the game oh maybe actually if it's saturday game i may try to go to buffalo for that Really? If, if oh yeah, you're in Boston. That's okay. Yeah. How far are you? Gonna, what is that as a drive? Like eight hours? Yeah, it's like seven hours. So I might just hop on, see if I can't hop on a quick bird from uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. So, oh, you're in Charlotte. Okay. okay. Yeah. Thursday, Friday. But uh, all right, brother. Last thing, I'll show you my brick from the Boston Garden. Sweet. Original Boston Garden brick. Larry Bird, baby. Robert Perry. Bird Birdman himself and Russell. <laughs> yeah, is that dipped in holy water too, or what? Oh my goodness exactly. gracious! All right, man, All right, brother, appreciate you, man. Thank you. We'll pick suing.